Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Ben Craven and I'm joined by our senior economist, Matt Burgess. Hi, Ben. Matt, on Wednesday, the cost of one New Zealand unit of carbon credit exceeded $50 for the first time. Can you tell me why that happened and what the implications are for New Zealanders? Yeah, so yesterday um, there was the third emissions trading scheme auction of the year, in fact, of all time, because they were only new this year. Going into the auction, so there's a price cap in the emissions trading scheme, and that's set at $50 per unit. And that's there to essentially give political cover, if you like, some source of assurance that carbon prices are being managed. That price cap is backed. The way it works is that uh, the government has a reserve of 7 million emissions units, which it releases to try and, um, and will sell 4 or $50 to try and def- keep prices at the cap. But there's only 7 million units, and once they're all gone, the price is free to rise above that $50 cap. Well, that's what happened yesterday. Uh, the government was only meant to sell 4.5 million units, or scheduled to sell 4.5 million units. The $50 price cap was reached. It released the extra 7 million units, so 11.5 million units in total. It's a big number. All of those units were sold, and the clearing price ended up at about $53, just uh, below $54, actually. Now, none of this is surprising. Emissions units were actually trading above $50 before the auction, just on the secondary market. So there was a decent chance that this was going to happen. All of this is unsurprising. This is how the system works. It was always designed to operate this way. Uh, There's some suggestion in the media that James Shaw, the Minister for Climate Change, should be embarrassed. He shouldn't. This is exactly how the system was designed to work. And today we see price nearly at $60. And so we are seeing volatility in the domestic carbon price, and that is significant. Okay, so the government has released millions more units. Doesn't that mean they're enabling more pollution? How does that work? Yeah, so the government released 7 million units to defend the price cap. Um, Actually, 5.4 million of those units were already uh, in our emissions budget. But there's an extra 1.6 million units there that have come from outside the budget. And those 1.6 million extra emissions units mean that New Zealand's emissions will be 1.6 million tonnes higher in coming years because effectively our emissions budget has been increased. However, changes to legislation last year, part of this whole package of introducing auctions and the new price cap mechanism, include this rule which says that extra units have to be backed. So what that means is that when the government releases extra units to defend the price cap from outside the budget, in other words, units that really are additional and translate to higher emissions, the government has to neutralise or take some action that neutralises or negates the extra emissions from the ETS that are going to result. So that could be something like planting more trees or buying emissions units in Europe and then shredding them. Uh, something, anything that's going to cut emissions by 1.6 million tonnes to offset the higher emissions that are going to come. James Shaw has said after yesterday's auction, yep, we're looking at all the ways that we can um, effectively sanitise those extra units so that overall emissions don't come up. One of the options he talked about was uh, releasing 1.6 million fewer emissions units in future auctions. That would certainly neutralise the extra units yesterday. There's all other options on the table. The government could plant more trees. It could invest in carbon capture technology either here or overseas. There's lots of options. Uh, I think there's a positive here, which is that this backing mechanism is actually a fundamentally good idea. It's too small at the moment, 
it would be a lot more useful if it could be scaled beyond 1.6 million units, but it forces the government to start putting in place systems and processes to give effect to that backing. And actually, that's a really useful thing for the government to be working on. Okay, so the government needs to sanitize these 1.6 million new units it's introduced. Could it do that by subsidizing more electric vehicles or getting tougher on oil and gas exploration? Yeah, and the answer is, is actually, it's an interesting question because the answer is no. If you, any action that's already covered by the ETS isn't going to sanitize those extra units, right? So this mm-hmm. is the whole argument that says subsidizing things that are already covered by the ETS doesn't reduce emissions at all because the ETS, the cap is the cap. So, um, yeah, subsidizing more EVs or banning more petrol cars or banning more petrol exploration actually isn't going to sanitize the extra 1.6 million units that were issued yesterday. If you, the only thing within the area covered by the ETS that is going to undo the extra emissions from the units yesterday is to issue fewer emissions units to just lower the cap again in the future by 1.6 million tons. Subsidizing EVs won't have any effect because it's already in the cap and doesn't change mm-hmm. the fact you've got an extra 1.6 million units and an extra 1.6 million tons. Um, coming from the parts of the economy covered by the ETS, which is all all of it pretty much except for livestock. So it's, it is actually an interesting question. Mm. I actually put up a, um, a blog post yesterday just pointing out, you know, what, why not subsidise more EVs, Minister, um, to try and sanitise those units? And of course, the answer is, you know, um, the, re- the reason that those EVs won't sanitise those units is precisely the reason that you shouldn't be subsidising EVs at all because it has zero effect on emissions. Yeah. <laughs> They're already in the cap. Okay, uh-huh. once you're in the cat, it's the number of units that decides emissions and nothing else. That's it. Right. So what does this mean for people? Um, the cost of units have gone up. Is there going to be some sort of flow on effect to the rest of the economy? Yeah, there is, because uh, carbon prices through the ETS affect almost everything in the economy. So going to $60, so that the carbon price was $50 today, it's nearly $60. That adds about two and a half cents to the price of petrol today, immediately. Uh, it's also going to affect everything from your cup of coffee to your power bill, the bag of coal you buy to, for the fire um, that might attend, and so on. Almost everything is in the ETS, uh, even though most people don't know about it. So, yes, there is a significant impact here, potentially. And you've got to remember that $60 is a long way. It's come a long way very quickly. It's doubled since June of last year and tripled since the start of 2018. So we're seeing, as we are in other countries, rapid increases in the domestic price. And at some point, $60 a a ton is pretty significant. Uh, At some point, if prices keep rising, and I think it's reasonable to think they will, you are going to start to see some pushback. And that's uh, potentially going to create issues for the government, for the ETS, and actually our overall ability to cut emissions and get to our ambitious targets. Right. I mean, you said that this is the way that uh, the scheme is supposed to work, but that there's going to be a fair bit of pushback if prices continue to rise. Is this just a big cost for people or are there some sort of positives there as well? Well, I think there's two big positives here. The first is that environmentalists should be celebrating because, you know, what's the thing that um, they want? They say they want um, emitters to be confronted with the costs they're putting on future generations. Well, that's what a $60 ETS is doing. Today's emitters are being confronted with actually a substantial cost. If you're burning coal or natural gas, uh, whether it's in production or in consumer, that's going to be hitting you pretty hard, actually. And Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's that pain is what drives changes in behavior. That's what brings emissions down. That's what protects future generations. So 
you know, I'd like to think that environmentalists are quietly happy to see effectively the cost of emitting each tonne of greenhouse gases going up. The second is that this is the market saying, we think the ETS is credible. We think the ETS is here to stay. The market's paying $60 a tonne for a reason. And so that credibility really, it's a credit to James Shaw. He has been leading the system for the last four years. He's made substantial changes to it. In fact, the auctions yesterday is one of the changes that he's brought in. This is a really a vote um, in favour of the work that he's done as well as his predecessors. So, and actually, this is all good. A credible ETS is good for emissions reduction. I think it's nearly a consensus to say that the ETS is the most effective, cost-effective way to reduce emissions. We need it. We're not going to get to our emissions targets without an ETS or something uh, like it. So when the market says we think it's here to stay, that's a really great sign for getting to our targets. Right. I've already seen uh, some commentators in the media suggesting that speculators have been buying up these credits basically to make a bit of a profit on them. Is this going to be a problem? No, it's not because all speculators are doing is following fair market value and that value would be $60 whether they were there in the market or not. Uh, Fair value is fair value. So um, I don't think it's reasonable to put any real weight on the idea that um, speculators are involved. In fact, you know, how do you even know what, what is speculation? How do you know what's going on inside the heads of these people? Uh, full disclosure, I own uh, some NZUs myself through the SALT Fund. I bought those units precisely because I thought their fair value was north of the price that I paid, which was $25 three years ago. Um, turns out I was right. All the market is doing is essentially voting with its own, put it, with its own skin in the game. It's saying, we think this market's here to stay. And we think the government's going to stick to its commitment to reduce the emissions cap and meet our targets. So, um, you know, if speculators are involved, they're putting their own money at stake and they're giving us a signal that the current track the government's on is actually going to stick. And that's good. Now, the price rise looks like it's occurred a lot quicker than what uh, James Shaw um, and other government ministers might have thought. Is there uh, a risk of them looking to change the scheme because of the dramatic increase? I think that's a possibility. So we are seeing enormous volatility in the carbon price, and that has consequences right through the economy. And potentially that threatens the political feasibility of the ETS. You've got to understand that, you know, it's still 28 years until we have to get to net zero at 2050. And the emissions trading scheme or something like it, whether it's a carbon tax or something else, has to be politically feasible every day between now and that date in 2050. This volatility threatens that. And that volatility is happening for a reason. It's because the government has closed the door to, there's no shock absorbers in place. When demand for emissions units rises, it's only got one place to go and that's the domestic ETS price. The government uh, has shut the door as hard as it can, not quite completely, to access to offshore emissions units or um, investment and schemes. And the government doesn't really have any other levers to pull in response to the sort of rapid price increases we've seen recently, including yesterday. For example, the government could plant more trees um, or it could invest in more carbon capture technology in response to price increases in some way. Now, that's going to happen anyway through the market. But what I mean is the government doesn't have any real lever to pull when the prices goes up. So we've got a $6 ETS price today. It was 50 yesterday. We can't be sure it won't be $100 tomorrow. And really, the government's got nowhere to go now that its very thin price cap has been exceeded, as it was always going to be. 
So I think the current setup, you know, this lack of shock, shock absorbers, the really lack of any real access to offshore, which can be used, as long as it's genuine, can be used to cushion the price increases we're seeing. The government's closed the door to that, and that's why we're seeing all this volatility. And that's not sustainable, right? So these periods of volatility are going to come again and again over the next 30 years, and the government needs a way to respond to that, to put a lid on that volatility without compromising our track to our emissions targets, which is the whole point of the system existing. So I think the government, um, two things need to change. We need to have a serious conversation about how we arrange at least some access to offshore in order to manage volatility. And of course, that access has to be genuine. We're not talking about Ukrainian uh, emissions units here. We're talking about genuine units, wherever they come from. And the second thing is the government needs to have levers that it can pull to, uh, in response to the massive price increases that we're seeing. Because if it doesn't have that, then the system itself comes at risk. And sooner or later, the governments are going to be put into a position where something extraordinary happens and they have to throw the whole system out. That would be a disaster for our efforts to cut emissions. Right. Okay. So it sounds as though there are quite a few positives um, of the increasing price. I mean, there's positives for the people that have purchased the units. There's also um, a positive in terms of reaching our emissions goals. Aside from affecting people's back pocket when it comes to buying fuel, whether that's petrol or stuff for the fire, um, is there, are there any other negative effects for consumers? Well, no. I mean, actually... the the effect for consumers is great uh, if you consider that the alternative to the ETS is paying, you know, five or ten or twenty times more for each ton of emissions that are cut. So, um, yeah, sure, uh, consumers are taking a hit, a small hit to the back pocket today because of the price increase in the ETS. But the alternative is paying five hundred dollars a ton or a thousand dollars a ton, which is the sort of money that the government regularly spends when it does policies outside the ETS. So consumers win mightily under the ETS if you consider the alternative. But, you know, politics is politics. Um, People see the costs that they are confronted with. They don't see the unseen alternative. We're still winning, even with an ETS price at $60. In fact, we're winning mightily. Well, I guess that's good news. Matt Burgess, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Ben.